Well, this morning's message is entitled, When We Come to the Benediction. I was led to the letter of Jude, and I wanted to bring a benediction blessing of promise and assurance to you this morning. And benediction is not a word that we use a lot anymore. It's used mostly in our churches. For those of you who are familiar with the term, uh, it's, it's a closing prayer that is given at the end of the service. There was one young man, he just absolutely loved the benediction. He loved to hear the blessing at the end of the service. He loved it because he knew that's when he was going to get to go home. (laughs) And a new definition of faith is the woman who puts her shoes on when she hears the pastor say, and now in closing. And she really believes the benediction is coming up next. But there is a benediction that is printed on the front of your bulletins, and it is from the letter of Jude, and we're going to be looking into that. And I'm using the book of Jude this morning, and I I couldn't find a specific passage of Scripture in its entirety to put on the screen to read to you out of that book. So I hope that you will listen. If you have your Bibles with you, uh, Jude is just before Revelation, just before the very last book. Uh, Feel free to use your Bible. There's one in the back of the seats in front of you, or plan to read it later later on today, because it's just one chapter, and it's 25 verses, so it's a short little book, a short letter written by Jude, but it's powerful. And it's not written to a specific church. Jude uh, would have expected his letter to be circulated to the churches, and he starts out by saying, I'm writing to all of you, all who have been called by God the Father. So my study Bible notes say that this is Jude's message to Christians everywhere, and that includes us this morning. And the notes in my study Bible also say that Jude was writing to the people of the churches at a time that they were feeling very vulnerable. And I think a lot of us could say that this morning as well. We might say it for personal reasons in our lives. And you have had a number of transitions here. So today is my last Sunday. Pastor Mark starts tomorrow. Hannah goes into more hours per week, a different role tomorrow. The search committee is active. Uh, I'm sure that a lot of us this morning are just feeling a vulnerability, and that's what Jude is addressing, that and some other things that we'll talk about. But I just need to say this is a real-life message for 2019. A couple of things I wanted to say up front. We're going to be talking a lot about defending the faith. Defend the faith. When I say that, that is not to get defensive about our faith. That is not to be offensive with our faith. That is not to be beating anybody up with the Bible. Uh, There was a, a young man, he wanted to get up and preach, and he wanted to tell people all about themselves and how they should be living. And I've had people, actually, I've had that attitude and people wanting to get up on the platform on a Sunday morning. But there was a pastor who gave that young man permission to preach his first sermon. And he got up to the front and he totally went blank. He couldn't remember anything that he wanted to say. So he started to walk off the platform, across the front, and he heard the Lord say in his mind, Have I done anything for you at all? And he thought, Well, of course you have. You've done everything for me. And the Lord said, Then tell them that. Tell them what I've done for you. And he went to the front And he preached to them about what the Lord had done for him. And someone came to him afterwards and said, I want what you have, and came to the Lord. So uh, we defend the faith, and we're going to talk about that. But at the same time, it's not to be beating anybody up with it. 
And I need to tell you up front as well that this message is not a message to point out any issues on my last Sunday here, not to point a finger at anybody here at Emmanuel. If I point a finger out, I've got three coming right back at me and they're going to hit me hard. But as I went to the book of Jude, I, I kind of went, ouch, there is a lot in there. So we're looking at Jude, but I'm not pointing a finger in any way. And I did promise the Lord when I started in ministry that I would do my very best never to try to make a point to have my own agenda on the platform or from his pulpit, and I've tried very hard to do that. So we're going to learn from Jude this morning. And let's begin at the beginning, as they say. So when we go into the book of Jude, Jude opens and he closes uh, with encouragement and also with prayer. It's a beautiful letter, but the book ends of encouragement and prayer. So his opening words of encouragement in verse 1, he says he's writing to all who have been called by God the Father, who loves them and keeps them safe in the care of Jesus Christ. Jude is very good at putting things into three. So number one, those who have been called, loved, and are kept safe. I'm going to be quoting a few times this morning from biblical scholar Norman Hillier, and he wrote a commentary on the letter of Jude, and quote, he says, the divine love and the keeping power are constantly holding believers with safe arms. Beautiful quote. Well, then Jude adds a three-point prayer for them. I don't know if anybody remembers Tim the Toolman Taylor. Ah, yes. More power, more power, right? Well, Jude sounds just a little bit like that, but he prays for the people not for more power, but that God might give them more and more mercy and peace and love. What a great opening. It must have felt so good to the people to hear from this biblical leader, Jude, More peace, more mercy, more love. But picture with me Jude sitting down to write this letter, or perhaps dictating it to a scribe. And he's been so excited, and he says he's eagerly planning, and had been eagerly planning, to write to them on a topic that they all loved. Eagerly planning, he says, to write to you about the salvation that we all share. I often have coffee with some of you, with others, and there have been times when it's absolutely that. We start talking, and we just can't stop talking about Jesus, and it's exciting. So Jude probably wanted to talk to the people in his letter about God's grace through Jesus, the wonder, the joy of being made right with God, topics of faith. Maybe he wanted to teach them something. The salvation we all share, he said. It really was going to be a great letter start to finish. But Jude obviously got some news before he got down to writing the full letter. Something was wrong. Something had really gone badly wrong. And Jude says, now I find that I must, I must write about something else. What had he heard? It was that false teachings had come into the churches. Uh, Gnosticism was big that day. I won't go into a long definition of it, but it was the real perversion of the gospel, of the person of Jesus and who he was. But there was also godlessness that had come into the churches. And Jude says, quote, Ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. In other words, now that you've come to know Jesus Christ and been set free, you can do whatever you please. And that was being taught. So Jude writes with passion, and to sum it up, he writes them one theme, 
defend the faith. Defend the faith. And Jude says to them, defend the faith against these people, these false teachings, these people who are living lives that are just not Christian lives as followers of Jesus. need to pause there for just a moment. If we look at us here at Emmanuel, nobody stands up here on a Sunday morning and preaches false teachings. Sadly, it is happening in a lot of our churches, a lot of our Christian organizations. We need to be very, very wise But we believe in Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, his mercy, his forgiveness, forgiveness through him, that he has returned to the Father, he prays for us, that he left us the Holy Spirit, and he will return again. So we preach that. And no one comes into uh, Emmanuel and leads a Bible study and teaches here that, okay, you've been set free in that now in Jesus, so go and do whatever you please, live however you want. We don't teach that. But as I share what Jude had been hearing and what he addresses in his letter to the churches, can we hear anything similar in what he says? I'm going to give you the list. He says there are people who won't trust God to lead or to provide, and so they're taking over and they're doing it themselves. He says there are people disgruntled with their positions in the church and they want more authority. He says there are people who are rejecting authority. People there who are interpreting God's word to their own liking and spreading that false teaching. He said there are people who are betraying by their attitudes that they really don't understand God's word, spiritual matters. People living as they please, especially immorally. But Jude also addresses the grumblers, the fault finders, those who boast about themselves, those who flatter others to get what they want and to advance their own agendas. He talks about those who divide. And Hillier puts it this way, those who are splitting up the church membership into those who follow their own desires and those who are truly spiritual. And finally, people were setting themselves up as the spiritual elite and they weren't true followers of Jesus at all. It's quite a list. Could we see ourselves in that? Sadly, people being people and churches being churches, some will self-examine hearing that list. Some will be too hard on themselves. And some will think, preach it, pastor, because someone over there really needs to hear that. May we ask God to help us hear what he wants us to hear from that list in Jude this morning. But Jude speaks so strongly against it. In verse 11, he preaches it. He says, it's like Cain who murdered his own brother. He says, these people are destroying souls. And he says it's like Balaam. And if you want to read the story of Balaam, it's in the book of Numbers, quite near the uh, beginning of our Bible, chapter 22 of Numbers. Balaam, who gave in to the lore of money, And greed had become so strong, they couldn't resist it anymore. And they were leading people down that path. And he also says it's like Korah. And Korah is also in the book of Numbers for his story, number 16. Korah had rebelled against the leadership of Moses. So like Korah, they were sowing unrest and promoting discontent against the authority of the church pastor's. These people are a dangerous threat, Jude says, verse 12. 
And they're right there with you, he says, eating with you, taking communion with you, taking advantage of what should be times of fellowship in Christian love together. And then Jude starts to use some creative imagination, verses 12 to 13. He says, do you know how how I would describe these people? They are dangerous reefs that are shipwrecking you. They are shameless shepherds who care only about themselves. They're like clouds without rain, and farmers are looking for rain. They promise much, but they fail to provide. They're like trees in the fall. They should have fruit on them. They don't, so they're doubly dead. Twice dead, he says. They should have fruit. They don't. They're being torn up by the roots. And then he goes into an analogy of the sea. He says they're like wild waves of the sea churning up the foam of their shame from their shameless actions. What an awful description for people of a church. And that's who Jude's writing to. And then he talks about the sky and he says these people are like wandering stars and navigators can't safely chart a course by wandering stars. They're in the blackest darkness, Jude says. All examples of not just being useless, but very dangerous. Can we carry any of that over to our churches? Or to those who say they represent Jesus in the community of uh, the town of Truro in Nova Scotia in Atlantic Canada? Can we hear Jude say to us this morning, defend the faith? Dr. David Jeremiah has written a book entitled, I Never Thought I'd See the Day. And he says he never thought he would see the day when Jesus would be so profaned, when morality would be in free fall, marriage would be obsolete, the Bible would be marginalized, the church irrelevant, and Christians wouldn't know they were in a war. Do we have to admit how desensitized we have become? When a program comes on television and it says it's adult content, do we even notice When we see poverty there and war and suffering, are we moved by it anymore or desensitized? When we're told to keep the Sabbath and keep it holy, when we're told to give 10% off the top, back to the church, do we just think, oh, that's just a whole lot of legalism, that's too legalistic? You know, those who attend Weight Watchers are told to write down every bite that they eat. Because the leaders know that it's those little bites here and there that they say won't hurt, that will defeat their goals. Sometimes it's the little things in our walk with Jesus. And we often say, don't sweat the small stuff. I have a book that says, God is in the small stuff. Defend the faith from the biggest to the smallest. And then Jude gets to the heart of his letter and he makes it personal and to the churches as the body and bodies together. And some translations say defend the faith. Others say contend with the faith. And contend with the faith parallels being fit like an athlete. As we stay with that thought for a moment, of physical fitness, in the flyers this month, there are sales on treadmills and exercise equipment, and there are special offers at athletic centers and gyms, because it's January, it's post-Christmas, and people are out of shape and they want a physical reconstruction program. 
So on that physical side, they go to a nutritionist or an athletic center, and they want to get in shape fast. And they're told, well, eat well, cut out the sugars and the fats, drink water, get seven to eight hours of rest, and exercise. And their eyes just glaze over, don't they? We know that. Those are the basics. They can't be ignored. But for some reason, we really want a much easier answer. I like the way Hillier sums up Jude's instruction. He says, concentrate on a spiritual construction program. Jude is calling us to get fit spiritually if we ever hope to defend the faith. But like the gym and the athletic centers and the nutritionists in our spiritual lives, in our churches, so often we go looking for a greater dynamic speaker or some new Bible study that's just going to do it for us, or a new program, something that's going to work well and going to work and work fast. And we may even find that the basics of our faith start to get boring. We don't want to hear those anymore, but we have to. And Jude names them again, again in three, and they're all in just in verse 20. Absolutely essential, critical basics to our faith. The number one, he says, build each other up in your most holy faith. Putting that a little bit simpler, study God's word. When so many of us run to the internet to get instructions on anything and everything, when we wouldn't think of trying something new without some instruction from a person who knows how to do it and do it safely, why do we think that we can be genuine followers of Jesus and hardly ever open our Bibles? And we can't just sit down for a few minutes and speed read or do a couple of verses. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to give us understanding. And we need to get a deepening, ever-deepening grasp on what God says and meditate on it and learn the truth so that we know the truth and we can spot anything that is not the truth. Do you know how tellers in a, a bank learn how to spot the counterfeit money? They are made to spend hours and hours looking at, going through, real currency, and then when there's a fake counterfeit one, they'll spot it in a second. Jude says it's not just our individual spiritual construction program, it's corporate as well. Build each other up, he says. Each one of us has a part to play in strengthening our Christian community so that we're all learning scripture and understanding it individually and together. And the work doesn't just fall on the pastor on a Sunday morning or a Bible study leader or the deacons as your spiritual leaders of the church. We all have a part to play in getting ourselves spiritually fit and in walking alongside one another in our learnings. And do we realize when Jude speaks of the most holy faith that God reveals himself to us? I find that amazing. God would reveal himself to us. That's where we are so different from all the other religions. We don't check our minds at the door, so please don't hear that. Quite the opposite. But we can come and understand a holy faith because God wants to reveal himself to us and to our understanding. And other religions require a dedicated following of rules and practices, and that's the only way you can ever become good enough and reach a perfection level, endless hours of meditating and service. Our God transforms us 
And we stand perfect before God through Jesus. Jesus who died for us and rose again. And it's a gift that we cannot buy. We can't pay for it. We can't pay it back. We cannot earn it in any way. No other religion has a God that loves like that and who reveals himself through that most holy revelation and draws us to himself out of his sheer love for us. And the second one Jude mentions, so the first is the reading of his word and understanding it and learning it. And then Jude says, Jude says, pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, one of the basics, but no other way. And we just cannot say, well, I don't know how to pray. We can always find a few words, at least, to someone that we really care about and love, and we talk to them. But more importantly, God's Spirit will teach us to pray if we ask. And the Spirit will keep us from becoming self-centered in our prayers and help us to stay focused, and yet also bring our concerns to God at the same time. The Holy Spirit, as well, is the power behind prayer. So prayer is vital to the Christian life and to growing as a Christian and as a church. Defend your faith and the faith of the church through prayer. And then number three, Jude says, await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, keep yourself in God's love. That's the, lo- that's the love that calls us to faith in the first place. God says, you did not choose me, I chose you. God is faithful, who has called us into fellowship with his son, Jesus. That's good news, folks. That's over-the-top news this morning. God is calling us into a relationship with him. Defend that faith. We hear from Jude's letter, and we hear it in Paul's letter, it is possible to turn away from God's love, and that's a terrible, terrible place to be, to have known that love and experienced walking in it, and then to turn away from it. But many have turned away completely or just become desensitized and apathetic. Defend the faith. And now the benediction. You can start to put your shoes back on. (laughs) The benediction is not just a closing. It's not the end. It takes us out. It blesses us and takes us out into next week. After the admonition, after the challenge, the how-tos that Jude writes, he leaves a beautiful benediction blessing. And again, those words are on the front of your bulletin. God is able. God is able. God will do his part to keep us from stumbling, from falling away. He does the act of protecting of us. And he will bring us into his glorious presence. Not with fear and shame, but with great joy, Jews said. And that's not just when we enter eternity. That's for right now. That's for today. Great joy in his glorious presence without a single fault. So to him who is able and who will, to him all glory and majesty and power and authority, yesterday, today, and forever, praise to him who alone is God. That's a benediction blessing that I pray for all of you. As I've taught the lesson today, a closing of my transitional time with you, I've had discussion with a number of you where we've said, this is not the end. Our friendships will continue. We'll stay in touch. We'll see each other in places where God's people come together. So I pray that today's teaching has been a benediction blessing of challenge to defend your faith, 
No one should believe and keep it pure, individually and as a church. A benediction blessing of praise to God. There is no other like our God. A benediction blessing of assurance that this is not the end. Our God of yesterday and today and tomorrow will take us into the next steps of the wonderful plans he has for us. So may we know the joy, the great joy, of being brothers and sisters, aunties and nephews, <laughs> walking together with our powerful, loving, and compassionate God who is able, who will keep us, and keep giving us more mercy, more peace, and more and more love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the people of Emmanuel. I pray that they will defend the faith. I pray that Wayne and I will do the same. And we thank you that you are the God of yesterday. You have been faithful. You are with us. You are here today. And you are walking with us into all of our tomorrows. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.